If you'd like to borrow a Bible and follow along with us this morning, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring you a Bible. I'm glad that you made it here this morning. This is much better than running in a marathon. Don't you agree? Amen. Good to see you. Can you imagine how tired you'd be right now? Oh, boy. Currently, we are going through the book of Proverbs. And our approach as we go through books uh, within the church, we just kind of alternate New Testament, Old Testament, and go through the entire book. And we go in a, a sequential manner, a verse-by-verse approach. But when you come to the book of Proverbs, it's kind of, we've got to have a different approach. You see, the first nine chapters in Proverbs are an introduction, which we can cover verse-by-verse in sequential manner. However, the rest of the Proverbs from 10 to the rest of the, cha- uh, the book are, are these isolated Uh, one-line Proverbs that we need to arrange in more of a topical manner. So what we're going to do is we're going to alternate from week to week. We'll go through chapters 1 through 9 one week and kind of go through it in in order. And then the other week we'll do the more topical arrangement of the verses in in an approach around a certain topic. You kind of understand where we're at. So last week we did chapter 1, 1 through 7. And this week we're going to do a topical arrangement of the verses from Proverbs that cover the topic of friendship. Now, This is why we preach through books of the Bible. I have never thought to myself, I really want to preach a sermon on friendship. I just can't wait to preach a sermon about friends because people, it seems like they'll be really into it, but this is why we go through the books of the Bible. And friendship is a topic that has come up, and it really has blown me away. I can't believe how much the Bible says, especially about Proverbs, about the topic of friendship. So we're going to get into that, look at it today, and I want you to hear some of the verses that I have arranged on friendship, and I want want you to just listen to them for now. Don't read them. Um, So I want you all to just stand. Can we stand? And I'm going to read these verses to you, and just listen to them, because they're isolated, and I just want you to listen to the Word of God. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. This is the word of God. You may be seated. There is this book out later turned into a movie called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Anybody read that book? All right, some of you have. main character is Charlie, and Charlie is a freshman in high school, and he has some pretty traumatic events that have occurred in, in, his, in his past. And, I, and I'll let you, I won't, won't spoil it for you if you're going to read the book. But a more recent traumatic event that has happened in his life is his best friend committed suicide. So he shows up uh, at high school as a freshman in a very depressed, dark, an isolated place in his life. He just wants to get it over with. But while he's there, he's surprised by two seniors that become friends with him and really, really enjoy him. And he finds these friends uh, 
uh, just kind of awakening in his life, like a, a refreshing healing balm on the wounds that come before him. And they are, they are devoted to him, and he is devoted and faithful to them as well. It's a great friendship. But unfortunately, from a Christian point of view, these friends uh, lead them astray uh, from a Christian point of view into a variety of partying and, and drugs and getting drunk and sexual morality. And there's a lot else going on within the book and in the movie as well. But what I want to focus on this morning is, is that, that characteristic of friendship or that ability of friends to be life-giving or life-threatening. That, that friends really have this power and this potential to build you up or tear you down. And what I really want to do this morning is I, I really I, I don't want to focus on the negative aspects. I want to talk more on the, the, the positive aspects of friendship because next week when we jump back into chapter 1, we're going to look at the, the negative aspects of friends, the concept of, of running with the wrong crowd. In fact, next week, I'm going to warn you against joining a gang. I'm serious, but you've got to wait for that, all right? But this week, we are going to talk about the positive aspects of friendships as, as it's laid out in the Bible. And, and you may think, man, that's such a bland topic. It's just kind of boring. And it's not that you don't like friends. You do like friends. You have friends, and you, you want to hang out with friends. But I think that maybe too many of us take friends for granted. I mean, if you took away all our friends, we'd still survive. We'd be kind of bummed, but we, we would make it in life. But, you know, friends are just kind of, we just, we, we don't think about it much. We just, they're just kind of there. But what the Bible does is the Bible goes as far as to say that friends are so important in your life that if you want to thrive in life, you need friends. And if you want to live a wise life, you need godly friends. And so the Bible talks seriously about the importance of friendship. And so since the Bible adds a lot of weight to it, I want to add a lot of weight to it as well and talk about the importance of friendship. And I want to keep it real simple for you today. Since we're looking at all these topical arrangements, I just kind of arrange it for you and keep it simple in four C's. Let me put it up on the screen for you, the four C's. We have the camaraderie of friends. We're going to look at the conflict of friends, the counsel of friends, and the constancy of friends. That's kind of just where we're going, so you want to follow along. So let's start with the first one. The first one is the camaraderie of friends. Our church is set up in such a way that part of our key principles for living out our life together and in our ethos communities is that we want to foster healthy, close relationships. We actually want you to like one another. We want you to be together and want to be on mission together. When the disciples were sent out, they were not sent out by themselves. I'm sure they could have covered more ground if they sent them out by themselves, but no, they went out in pairs. There's something about being on mission together as friends. And so we're going to start with our first verse this morning in Proverbs 18.24. Let me put it up for you. Now, you can either turn there or you can just look up here because we're going to look at some different Proverbs. I know you have the Bible in front of you, so whatever works best for you this morning. You can flip around with us or just look on the screen. So Proverbs 18.24, our first proverb. said, As a man of many companions may come to a ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It seems that the Bible is indicating there are these different levels of friendship. As many of us know, we have these companions, a lot of them. And they may be surface-level friends, or they may be people that really care about us. 
and they want to know what's going on in our lives. They, like, just think about, if you're on Facebook, think of all the friends you have. And most of those friends are your companions. They are interested in what's going on in your life, but they're not on the level of a close friendship. And I don't think the Bible is dogging the concept of having all these many friends on Facebook or all these many companions. But if that is all you have, the Bible says that you may come to ruin. So it's more important than rather having all these countless friends that you have. It's more important, as it says, to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that this is a friendship that's closer than a, a blood brother. It's a, it's a friendship of camaraderie where you actually like being with a person. You're refreshed in their presence. You like hanging out together. There's joy. You have, you have fun together. And there's just this general sense of, hey, I like you. You like me. Isn't this awesome that we get to hang out? Now, you think about comrades in the military. For those of you ever in the military, you know, you, you got this, you got, you know, you got brothers. You're just hanging out together. You're enjoying life together. You're, you're living life together. And you'll do anything for one another, and you actually enjoy each other's friendship. This is what I like what the Bible's saying. It's saying, here is a friend who is going to love you. Here is a friend that's going to be there for you. Not because they have to. It's because they want to. And then it compares it with the concept of family. You see, your family, in a sense, they have to be there for you. It's what they signed on for, whether they liked it or not. Let me give you this proverb, Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, which means a friend loves no matter what. But then it says, a brother is born for adversity, which means that, when you hit hard times, your family members, stick with me here, your family members kind of feel a certain obligation to be there for you. And it, not that they hate it, but they just, they, they feel a certain obligation to be there for you. But what it's saying is that a friend is going to be with you all the time. A friend's going to be there with you in the good times, in the bad times. A friend is going to rejoice when you rejoice and mourn when you mourn. And yes, a a family member may come through, but that friend is going to be there with you all the time. Now I want you to understand what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about um, romantic friendships. I'm talking about friendships, same-sex friendships, a guy and a guy friend, a girl and a girlfriend. And I'm not dogging romantic friendships. Can a, a boy and a girl actually be friends? You can discuss that later. But I do want to bring up the concept that as you have these boy-girl relationships in your life, let's say you're single and you have these boy-girl relationships in college, and maybe you have someone of the opposite sex who is a very good friend of yours, and like you may even call each other best friends. Here's a piece of advice. Take it for what it's worth. Maybe you should marry them. Isn't it the weirdest things when guys or girls are friends, like one of the others kind of holding out for the Hollywood romance, right? Like the Hollywood story waiting to be struck, and like right in front of you the whole time, maybe that's the person you should marry? Yeah. All right. If you're married, 
we always talk about rekindling romance. Let's rekindle our romance. And that's fine. But how about rekindling the friendship? Chances are you, you probably ended up marrying your best friend. How about revisiting that friendship and rekindling that friendship? So that's all I'm going to give you. That's all the advice for this morning. Let's go back to the topic at hand. Guy-guy friendship, girl-girl friendship. Do you have someone in your life that is really close to you? Someone that when you were with, that you just, you, they just hang so well. You enjoy each other so much. If I went up to you and I said, okay, tell me who your closest friend is. And you would name the person. And if I went up to them and I'd say, okay, who's your closest friend? And they, and they would name you back. If you have such a friendship like that, it's so valuable. You're so fortunate and you're so blessed to have this camaraderie of friendship. But sometimes, as we all know, at times, there can be conflict between friends. This brings us to the second point, the inevitable conflict of friends. Let me put up Proverbs 17.9. Proverbs 17.9. It says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Now, the, the first part of the Proverbs, the person who's been offended. The friend did something to them that was very foolish or hurtful. But it says that the offended party is actually going to cover the offense for the purpose of seeking love and sustaining the friendship. You think about our relationship with God as we have offended him in our sin, and he covered our sin by his death of his son, Jesus Christ. His blood covers our sin, and we are forgiven through faith. Now, the concept here is... As our friend offends them, we're going to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take that blow. I'm going to cover it, and I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to seek to reconcile with you because I love you, and I want to sustain this friendship. Because God has forgiven me, I am now going to cover the offense, and I'm also going to forgive you. And that's what we want to see in godly friendships. However, as the second part of the verse says, it says, he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So if someone does something to hurt you and you keep bringing it up over and over and over again and you start telling your friends about what this friend has done and you start to gossip of how they hurt you, if that continues on, if love does not cover the wrong but continues on, that can separate close friends. And my guess is that many of you have that story where you were really close to someone else They did something to you, or you did something to them, and there's this break. And and it's really sad. It's it's like one of those painful things that have that have happened in your life. And 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 maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to seek reconciliation. Just to do your part. Either to ask for forgiveness or seek to reconcile with someone who has offended you because you want to see a relationship somewhat restored as best as it can be. So maybe it's time this morning to step towards someone you've offended or they've offended you and to reconcile and not to keep bringing it up over and over again, to look to the forgiveness and the cross of Christ and seek to forgive as well. So we want this camaraderie of friends, and sometimes we have conflicts, but another benefit of friends and characteristic is the counsel of friends. Number three is the counsel of friends. One of the most important parts of friendships, I, I believe, is the honest feedback that your friend can give to you about your life. Proverbs 27.9. 
Proverbs 27, 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. At this time when Proverbs was written, you have oil and perfume, which are very valuable. And when you start to use these uh, on your life, they make your heart glad. But this proverb is saying a greater worth than that is the sweetness of a friend and his wise counsel. It's saying there is this relationship you can have with your friend, and the best thing about it is not that you both like the same football team or you like to hang out together and enjoy the same things or you can enjoy the same cool toys together, but it's saying, no, when your friend gives you this counsel, it is fantastic, it is amazing, it refreshes you, it it builds you up, it kind of just blows you away. And, And I hope that you open up your life enough to someone else where you can invite in the sweet counsel of friends. This, this past Monday afternoon, um, my wife and I were having some strife, to say it lightly. I know we've been married 15 years, but can you believe it? We still have problems and disagreements and arguments. You would think after 15 years, everything would be perfect, like your marriage. So, and, and you're probably wondering, well, what were you fighting about? None of your business. (laughs) We were just fighting, arguing, and you know what was happening in our um, little disagreement there is that we were stuck. (laughs) We were stuck. You ever get married and you ever fight, you know what I'm talking about. You just just get stuck. It's like we're not going anywhere. I'm not winning. You're not winning. No one's winning. We're stuck. And, And so we're like, man, we need some help. And my wife had this thought. She said, you know what? So two doors down from us is the associate pastor, the Bechtels. They're in Latvia, and they were already gone. But there was a woman. I'm just going to say her name because many of you know her. She's not here this morning, so I can talk about her. There's this woman who was there kind of cleaning up their house. Her name is Karen Ewan. She teaches the marriage class. And she's like, well, let's go ask Karen to help us get unstuck. I'm like, oh, we can fix this ourselves. And after a while, it became clear to me, we cannot fix this ourselves. So I went over to the door, ring the doorbell. Hey, Karen, how's it going? What you doing? Would you mind coming over to our house and helping us? Because we're kind of fighting here, and we, we were stuck. And she came over, and she offered very wise counsel that got us unstuck that allowed us to see a way forward, that allowed us not to go after each other, but to deal with the problems rather than trying to fight with one another. And, and it, was, it was such sweet counsel. And, and then later in the week, no joke, this is like icing on the cake, she sent us a card in the mail to make sure that we were okay. Like, that is just sweet, yeah. It's like, that's a good friend. That's the kind of friendships we want to have in our church with one another where we can have this counsel to help us maybe when we get stuck. Maybe you're in conflict. Tell me out here. So there's this sweet counsel of friends. But also, sometimes, your friend will give you some advice that you don't like, that you disagree with. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
well, an enemy is always going to be throwing stuff at you, telling you how awesome you are. Maybe they want to keep you in your foolishness or, or keep you in your sin or on the path of destruction. You can think about the kiss of Judas as he betrayed Jesus. But the friend here said is to wound you. Wound of a friend. Look at what, what kind of wound is that? Well, the verse before actually tells us in Proverbs 27.5, it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. So rather than staying silent while your friend goes down the wrong path, true love speaks up. Correction is love. Some of you are doing some really foolish things right now, and you think that your friends are so awesome that they're sticking with you right now even though you are a fool and they're not saying anything. And you say, well, they're just such close friends. They're such non-judgmental friends. No, chances are they just, they hate you. They probably just hate you. Or they're scared of you or something because if you're doing something foolish or I'm doing something foolish, I want my friend to tell me. You want your friends to speak into your life and tell you when you're not doing something right. You want someone to love you so much. They're not going to hide that love. They're going to go after you and correct you. And so if you're doing something foolish and you see that your friends are correcting you and then you're not responding and then they're falling away and only people you're left with is those who will affirm you in your sin, those aren't true friends. Because true friends correct in love. And the correction doesn't have to always be with regard to sin. It could be with wrong thinking. It can be, be with wrong emotions. It can be when something's just not right in your life, your friend will speak up. This past su- summer, I was having a lunch in Dallas with the best man from my wedding, a really good friend of mine. We were eating at the Dixie Kitchen in, near downtown Dallas, and we were just hanging out, and I was sharing with him a little pity party. I was telling him that I feel like I'm just not doing enough for the Lord. I mean, it's midlife crisis stuff, but this is what I was telling him. I said, hey, I'm just not doing enough for the Lord. I, I should be like going around the world and reaching the unreached and dying. And I should be like starting all these ministries for the poor and adopting every orphan, and like, it's just like, I'm just not doing enough. And my, my friend looked at me, and he's like, and, and he wounded me right over lunch. He said, you're not God. You're not God. He said, man, you, you have six kids, and two of them are going into high school. They need you. You've been called to preach the word. God is God, and he's going to use his people to do his work. You're not God. And it was a very good wound that woke me up from my pity party. And I need a friend like that who just speaks in my life and he's not scared to do it. If your friends are scared of you, that's not good. You don't want your friends scared of you. You want to be open and say, okay, hit me with your best shot. Come on. Correct me in love. So you have friends that will correct you, friends that will counsel you, the best of all is like the concept of, of friends mutually sharpening one another. How about this verse from Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You can think about this iron being scraped together and making this very sharp edge so 
good friends, encourage, spur one another on, speak wisdom, speak truth, so that we can follow and walk with Jesus. Now, I don't want this verse to only be hijacked by men. I mean, it's, it's a classic men's conference verse. If iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This verse can be used for women too. So the next women's conference, pick this verse. All right? You can use this verse too because we want women who sharpen one another, who build one another up and spur one another on in Christ. There, there's a book I've been tracking along as I've been doing this uh, this study on Proverbs, uh, Lydia Brownback wrote this book about a woman's wisdom, and she talks about women's friendships a lot. And she says that this is there to sharpen one another as close friends will bring one another closer to the Lord. So it's not like if you have a close friend, it's not like that you and her sit around all day praying together, which is fine, but you're not going to do that with your close friends all the time. But a way that your close friend can encourage you in the Lord is that you can talk about your problems. You can talk about your sin. If you can start talking about your sin among close friends and be held accountable, that, that's really healthy. If you have not talked about your sin with a close friend recently, either you are perfect and do not sin, or you're hiding something. You're hiding something. You want to be open. You want to express what's going on in your life so someone can encourage you, spur you on in the Lord. Do you have those kinds of friends? Here's, here's a great quote from, from Lydia. She says this. Let me put this up from the book. She says, does this friendship, does it cause me to flourish or diminish, both as a woman made in the image of God and in my walk of faith? How about that? Does your friend cause you to flourish or to diminish in your walk with the Lord? We want these sharpening relationships that build us up, mutually encouraging one another to flourish in our relationship with the Lord. So we have this camaraderie of friends, and friends sometimes have conflicts, and we need our friends to counsel us. And the last thing I want to talk about is the constancy of friends. The last characteristic of biblical friendship is this, this loyalty, this unchanging, unwavering faithfulness. And the last verse is Proverbs 26. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man or a faithful woman or a faithful friend who can find. Many people will say how faithful they are and how loving they are, but when it comes to crunch time, who actually comes through for you? Just because someone says that you're, they're your friend and they care for you, it will show when they come through for you or they don't come through for you. When it's really difficult, a faithful friend will be there. One of the shows that my wife and I like to watch on TV uh, is the show Parenthood. And one of the main characters right now is struggling through the early stages of treatment for breast cancer. And so in this one scene, a seasoned survivor of breast cancer actually meets with her for coffee, and she says, hey, look, this is what's going to happen. At the very beginning, your phone's going to ring off the hook. Everybody's going to call you. But as you start to go through the routine and the treatment and things get back to normal, it's at that point you will find out who your true friends are. Because the true friends are going to be the faithful friend who's with you on the long haul, the constant friend, no matter what you're going through. They're going to be there for you.
And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, I'm not always the best friend. I'm I, I, not always there for my brothers. I falter in many ways. And, and I was thinking about it, I thought, well, you know what? They do too. But we're not perfect friends with people. They're not perfect friends. They're good friends, but there's, there's something still lacking. There's some type of closeness that's just not there. And, and we fail and they fail us. And that, that's, that's a result of something called the fall and sin. And it even goes back to a deeper issue. And the deeper issue is this. We were created to be friends of God. And that friendship has just been cut, divided because of sin. And you know what the Bible says before we become believers? The Bible says this. The Bible actually calls us, I know it's hard to believe, but the Bible actually calls us enemies of God. Wow. Enemies of God. We're born as enemies of God. <laughs> because he's a holy God, we're sinful and we're rebellious and, and God could have just said, you're my enemy, and I'm going to destroy you. But what God does is he makes a move of friendship. And the way he makes a move of friendship is that he sends his son, Jesus, to reconcile us back as friends. You see, Jesus comes on this earth, perfect, perfect communion with God. And he lives a perfect life. And he dies a perfect death on the cross. He's buried, and three days he rises again. And get this. Anybody who repents, repents of their sin and their rebellion and their, how they've been an enemy to God, anybody who says, you know what, I'm an enemy of God, I am in sin, and repents and puts their faith in Jesus, get this. They become a friend of God, a reconciled friend of God through faith in Jesus. This past week, I was telling my family about the coolest thing ever. I said, you know what? There was this dude in the Old Testament. His name was Moses. And he was so close to God that he spoke to God as a friend would. And the Bible says this, face to face. And my eight-year-old daughter said, oh, lucky. I wish we could do that. And I said, oh, we can. We can. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father now as a friend, and we can commune with him, talk to him as if face-to-face. And the Bible even goes further than that awesome image. And you know what this image is? Get this. Don't miss this. The Bible also says that Jesus, if we, we trust in him, Jesus is our friend. And we're not, I'm not just making that up to make you feel good. The Bible actually says that as Jesus is about to die and he's speaking to his disciples before he dies, he talks to them in imagery of friendship. Let me put it up for you. This is in John 15, starting in verse 13. This is amazing. Jesus says, he's talking to his disciples, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is beautiful. 
that Jesus has displayed his love for us so much as we are his friends that he laid down his life on the cross. And when we speak of Jesus, we can say that Jesus is the friend who offers true camaraderie. Jesus is the friend who never causes conflict with us. Jesus is the friend who gives us perfect counsel. And Jesus is the constant and faithful friend. Jesus is the friend that is closer than a brother. Jesus is the one who is the friend who loves us at all time. And we can like just make the statement of the old hymn, and we can say, what a friend we have in Jesus. And because we have this friendship with Jesus, we have this face-to-face relationship with the Father as a friend. Now we can move toward others as a friend. And now we can have our brothers and sisters move toward us as friends. So what does your friendships look like? They may not be as famous as David and Jonathan in the Bible. They may not be as famous as Ruth and Naomi in the Bible. They may not be as adventurous as Sam and Frodo of the Lord of the Rings. They may not be as lovely as Anne Shirley and Diana Berry from Anne of Green Gables, but that's okay. Your friendships are just as important, and you need friends to live a godly life. You need friends to live a wise life. So how are your friendships? Now I know some of you are new. You're new to the Evanston area. You're new to Northwestern. You just moved here, and you are kind of in that awkward phase of testing out friends. It's not like you want to wear a T-shirt that says, will you be my friend? But it's, it's, it's a very weird stage. It's like, a, it's like a little dance you're doing. Who are you going to be friends with? And I just want to tell you this. I'm going to be a prophet here. I'm going to prophesy now. You will meet people in your college years that you'll be friends with for the rest of your life. And you might not even know who they are yet. Now, I know some of you are here and you've been burned by friends or maybe all your friends have moved away, which is a common occurrence here at Evanston. And so you're in that place where you don't know what to do. And I just hope by God's grace you, you will step out and start to engage other people again and create new friendships. And for those of you who are here who say, I simply do not have time for friends. Who in here has time for anything? Seriously, we're busy people. You're busy people. But you've got to make time for friends. Even if you're married, don't say, well, my wife's my best friend. No, don't. I understand what you mean. But you need friends outside of that relationship. And we need to move toward people if we want to live this godly life, this wise life, because God has created brothers and sisters to build you up and for you to build them up. And by God's grace, may we move toward those friendships today. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the move of friendship that you've made toward us. We thank you for the friend we have in Jesus. And for our brothers and sisters here today who have been reconciled to you, and yet they have an unreconciled friendship from the past or something more recent, give them wisdom on reconciling that friendship. Whether they need to confess, whether they need to confront, I just ask you to give them much grace not to let this wound fester, to let bitterness grow. 
And Lord, this whole talk on friendship is, is no doubt going to hit someone here because they're very lonely. I know there are people in here struggling with massive loneliness. Give them your grace. Give them the nudge to step out and put themselves in community. At an ethos community, Bible study on campus, women's Bible study, men's Bible study. Give them the ability to get that nudge and get out there, even if they have to start again and meet new people. I just ask that you would encourage them, that you have so moved toward them in a friendship through Jesus. Now may they move toward others in a friendship. And may you receive all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.